Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Two Feet Apart with me, your host, Peachy Patra. I'm really excited to have you guys here today. This is the last episode of this season. The season started out a little rocky with some recording issues for the first two episodes, but I'm excited on how it's ending. And if you stay tuned throughout the episode, near the end, there will be a Q&A with my sister, Jordan, about the time that we spent together during this trip. So we'll start with what led me to take this trip. And it was a combination of a few different things. Essentially, I had booked this trip with my previous partner and he was unable to make it. So we just canceled it all together. And it was something that, you know, at first I wasn't comfortable traveling by myself. But then after being in a long distance relationship for a while and spending a lot of time by myself in another country anyway, It was something that I grew accustomed to and it became something that I actually enjoy very thoroughly. So at the time I was working at an insurance company and, you know, I remember they let go of my supervisor and I went and talked to my boss and I said, you know, since I now have a lot of her tasks and duties, will there be a raise or pay compensation for the extra time and energy that I will be putting in? And, you know, she said no. And we were also moving offices and I knew that the other office had my position already. So I had asked, would I be doing the same thing? Are they switching my role? What would that look like in the future? And she also said that she had no idea. And I am a person that craves that stability. And that's why I had taken that job in the first place. So when I got back to my desk, it was a combination of that, having this newfound like, oh, I can travel by myself. I was newly separated. I needed something else to focus on. So I looked at my coworker and I said, you know, I don't have a credit card with me. Can I book some flights off yours and then I'll e-transfer you? And she's like, you're not going to do it. And I was like, yes, I am. And so she's like, okay. So she pulled up a chair beside me and we sat there. We booked all these flights. And so it was supposed to be a flight from here, which is Southern Ontario to Winnipeg, Manitoba. And then from there, I was going to go to Edmonton uh, for a couple weeks and explore the province a little bit and then fly into British Columbia for a little bit and then back home. And, you know, when I was booking all this, I was really excited because my Grams is in Winnipeg and I love her dearly and I don't see her nearly as often as I'd like. And so I had shot her a text and just said, you know, I'll be doing this big trip and I'm going to come and spend a week with you. And, you know, near the end of booking all these flights, she texted me back and says, well, why don't you stay for longer? So I ended up booking an additional two weeks with her at the end of the entire trip, which elongated it a little bit, but it was so worth it. I didn't really know how to tell my friends or family about this because it was literally just me saying, I have nothing planned. I have very little in my bank account and I'm just going to take off for several weeks with just a backpack. And so I remember texting my mom and I said, you know, how's your mood right now? And she said, it's kind of fine. Like what's what's going on? And I said, well, check your email. And I had emailed her the itineraries and she all of a sudden bombards me with all these mom questions like, where are you staying? Who are you with? How are you getting from place to place and all this stuff? And I was like, I'll figure it out. And I never really ended up having it pre-planned out. It was often just like, oh, I guess I'll do this tomorrow or go here tomorrow. And there was a lot of public transportation and Ubers and trains and buses and sea buses. 
And one travel tip that I had learned through this entire experience is that Tinder is a really awesome resource. And when I say this, I mean that, you know, in my profile that I had on Tinder, I had put in the bio that, you know, I was traveling for a few weeks. I didn't say that I was by myself, um, but just that I was traveling around the country for a while. And, you know, so there were a lot of people that I ended up meeting and talking to and a lot of people sounds bad. There wasn't as many as it probably is implying. But, you know, I'd be talking to someone and he would be like, oh, have you been to this place in Vancouver? And I was like, no, I haven't. He's like, well, like, if you want, I can pick you up. We can go there. We can check it out. And so I, I did. And that's how I got to see a lot of things, both in Vancouver and surrounding areas, as well as in Alberta. In When I was in Manitoba, I didn't really spend a lot of time like that because I was born there and I did live there for several years. And I had so much family and family friends that I was just at cottages and out for dinners and going to people's art displays and all this that I didn't really have that ability and flexibility to just kind of come and go as I please and I could have but the point of me booking that extra time there was to spend that time with that family and those friends and to focus on those connections as well. I do still talk to a lot of these gentlemen and you know they'll text me and if I'm traveling I would love to see most of them again um, and they're all just really kind and gracious individuals and I think that's really important to have people that are understanding that just want to help along your journey and don't necessarily feel like they need to be a part of it but just to provide that stepping stone and it was really awesome and I got some really cool and fun experiences and I made a lot of really genuine friends out of it. This trip gave me the ability to learn a lot about individuals in my family. Um, you know, I learned some good things. I learned some bad things. I learned some things that weren't really pertinent to me at whatsoever. Um, but I learned more about these people as individuals and not just, yeah, that's so and so and that's aunt and that's uncle and that's grandma and grandpa and blah, 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 blah. No, these are individual people with these stories and their stories and how they grew up shaped who they are, which shaped me. And it all ends up tying together, which I think was really important for me to realize during this trip. And I realized a lot about the importance of family boundaries sometimes. And sometimes you just have to choose to put yourself first. And like I had said in previous episodes, your chosen family and given family are two very different things. But sometimes they can be the same. But that's not always the case. And that's okay. In season two, I will be actually sharing a live recorded episode that I'm going to do with my grams and it'll be surrounding a lot of the things that I learned about her and my opa during this summer trip. And so I really hope that you tune into that because they are magical human beings. There were two connections during this trip that I developed that I wasn't sure were there to start with and they were both aunts and one is a great aunt and one is just a regular aunt she's not like a regular aunt she's a cool aunt but you know what I mean and so the great aunt of mine um you know she lives in Alberta and obviously there's this age difference and we didn't grow up living in the same area so you know I would see her every so often but it was very few and far between that we actually spent time together 
And so talking to my great aunt who had previously been divorced, you know, we were talking about the importance of just finding someone that gets you. And, you know, similarly, like our relationships, like the first marriages weren't what we thought that they would be. And just kind of honoring that and acknowledging that and knowing that that's okay and that you can move forward from that was extremely healing for me to know from someone that you know I looked up to as perfect my entire life and the other aunt was in Vancouver and I got to spend a week and a bit with her and I stayed at her home which was incredible because I got to spend a lot of time with my cousins that again I didn't grow up very close to and so speaking to her, she's in school for to become a counselor and a therapist. And I think one of the important things that she taught me and something that like I remind myself of daily is that sometimes people just don't have the capacity to love you like you need to be loved or to meet your needs the way that you need them to be met. And that doesn't necessarily make them a bad person. And it doesn't make you a needy person or a person that's hard to love. It just means that in the sense of what you have the capacity to offer in a relationship might not be compatible. So that first block in Winnipeg, it was getting my hair braided, spending some time with younger cousins on my dad's side that, you know, often it was just, oh, here's a picture of so-and-so. And I really didn't get the chance to get to know them as individuals as they've grown up and developed these awesome personalities. So I got to spend that time with them. And I additionally spent some time with my mom's dad. He lives in rural Manitoba. So we spent some time on his farm there for a little bit. So next stop was Edmonton. Um, when I got to Edmonton, I had several hours between my flight in and my bus out to go to the Calgary area. And so I, again, had found someone um, that came and brought me lunch, spent some time with me while I was waiting. And then, you know, we went on with our ways, which was lovely because no one likes to sit at an airport alone. And also no one likes to feel like they have to owe someone anything just to be able to have good company around. I remember the entire bus ride from Edmonton to Calgary. I was just in my feelings and I was talking to this gentleman who coincidentally I had sat beside on the flight and he was from Bangladesh and he was living in Winnipeg and and he may very well be listening to this because we are good friends and we interact on social media on a daily basis now. Um, but, you know, we were sitting there talking a lot, but I was also just in my feelings and I was so worried and anxious and nervous because it was my sister who was picking me up. And this sister, I had no recollection of ever knowing in my entire life. And I had started talking to her shortly. I think it was afterwards we found out that my father had been murdered and I was like 11 or 12 and she, you know it was always you know it was I had this big sister out there that you know she kind of looked more like me than my other siblings and we seemed to have a lot in common but I had never met her and I was so nervous and so anxious and I had so many counseling sessions prior to this because I was trying to figure out like you know what if she doesn't like me what if I don't like her what if we don't connect what if things are awkward what if I'm just stuck there and all of these things and so the bus drops me off and I'm standing outside of our meeting spot I 
am aggressively looking on Instagram at pictures of her trying to remember, okay, so this is exactly what she looks like in case she doesn't look the same. And, you know, I couldn't figure out what kind of car she drove. I almost walked into some stranger's car and I kept putting on so much deodorant because I was sweating so profusely. And it was also like August and it was very hot out. And she pulls up in her van and I get in and, you know, she's got three boys and two, the younger two were asleep and the oldest one looks at me and he's like, hey, auntie. And I was like, oh my God, it was just this moment of, you know, he knows who I am and I don't have to prove myself or fight for this connection. And it wasn't awkward sitting in the car with her driving. It was kind of, I looked at her and I was like, wow, we do kind of look alike. And we're driving and we stop at McDonald's and we're making all these jokes and everything and I was like this feels like home in that place that you can find home in people there's very few people that I can feel this connection with and you know these people are you know I have a couple close friends that I have that connection with obviously my parents my younger brother my older sister my other siblings and you know I really wanted to be able to have her as part of that community for me and she was right off the bat and it was incredible that first night we get back and I did a little craft with the kids we were playing a bit so she puts them to bed and then she comes up and we're sitting there talking we were talking for several hours into the night after the kids had gone to sleep and at one point I had said you know, one thing that I struggled with growing up was I felt like I didn't have the right to be able to grieve and mourn the loss of our father because I have my dad. And, you know, her and my two brothers that were raised by my father, you know, they didn't have that other step in right off the hop or anything like that. And she looks at me and says, you know, well, that's weird because I always thought that you would have more of a right to feel that way because we have those memories and experiences with him and you didn't. And just her saying that was such a load off my shoulders because my entire life since finding out that he had been murdered was this struggle between do I have the right to grieve do I have the right to seek more information and find out more information and she had just affirmed all of this in like one swift sentence over a glass of wine and I cried after she had went to bed and it was such a happy cry because I had felt like that part had been finally fulfilled and it was the part that I was looking for for so long in such weird places and sometimes the wrong places and I had finally found it so we had spent a lot of time together. We went camping in Kananaskis, which is in the middle of the Rocky Mountains, essentially. And uh, so we had gone there for several days with the kids and her boyfriend and some family friends of theirs, which was lovely. And we just spent a lot of time exploring all that was around her. We did a lot of mountain climbing and hikes and lots of trying new things. We tried those e-scooters that they have downtown Calgary, which are fun. But if you're competitive like me, you can't really beat someone in a race with them because they max out at 20 kilometers an hour. But we all know I still won. And we went to the Calgary Public Library. And if you've ever seen pictures of it, it is absolutely stunning inside. And it has a really fun play structure and area for kids as well indoors, which is awesome because of how cold Calgary gets a lot of the year. 
there was some time during that period in southern Alberta that I did kind of stray from her and I did go visit some other family and friends including that great aunt that I had previously mentioned um, but then also you know there was one day that she and I were looking up things to do and I said you know do you think we could go to our father's grave. And I said, you know, if you don't want to come and bring the kids there because it was a few hours away, I, you know, just send me the location and I'll figure it out myself. But it was one of those things that if I knew I was that close and never went, I would have always thought about it. So we packed up the kids, packed up her boyfriend, and we were on the road. And, you know, we stopped at Boston Pizza on the way there. And I wasn't sure how I was feeling. I couldn't tell if I was more nervous or curious or sad or worried or what it was. And, you know, we pull up and we get there and we're walking around and we couldn't really find it. So we had to call her mom. And, you know, her boyfriend's in the van watching a movie with the kids. So we call her mom and we find it. And it was actually an unmarked grave. And I can't tell if I would have been more affected if it was marked or not. But that's what it was. And so we're standing there for a moment. And I had this realization and it was like a light bulb moment for me. And it was that this is the closest I'll ever remember being to him. And, you know, we're six feet apart. We can't look into each other's eyes. You know, there was no physical connection, but it's the closest that for the rest of my life, when I think of time I spent with him, that was the one that I can remember distinctly. And she looks at me and says, well, yeah, but I feel like his spirit is also always with us, which I agree with. And she asked if I wanted some time alone And I said no, because I think that because she was such a healing part of that journey for me, that it wouldn't have really made that much of a difference. Because to be honest, there's not much I could do or say there. You know, if I want to speak to him or send prayers to him or anything like that, I do that from anywhere. And I don't exclusively need to be standing there. And so she stood there with me for a minute. We took a moment in silence. And then, of course, like we do, we had kind of made like an inside joke about it. And, you know, she hugged me. We both cried a little bit. And it was one of those things that in your head, it's always something bigger than it might be. And so it seemed almost anticlimactic afterwards because it was literally just that. It was just another thing that we did that day. But for me, in my journey and my process of healing and grieving, it was so much deeper than that. And near the end of our time in Alberta, she had driven me up to Edmonton because I was flying out of there and she had a work event there. Um, and so, you know, I, I had found someone to stay the night with. So I had just figured that I would go there for the day and I wasn't really sure what to do. And so she dropped me off at this one spot and I had looked at Google Maps and the street names kind of looked a little familiar. And so I thought about it for a minute and I realized that I was several blocks away from where our father was murdered. So, you know, I had decided that I was going to walk to this location because similar to the grave and the cemetery in your head, it because it becomes such a big thing and such a monster that you need to overcome. And so it was quite a long walk and it was kind of rainy kind of gloomy. I had this massive backpack that I had been carrying for several weeks everywhere. 
and I walk there and I get there and I look up and it's a halal grocery store. And obviously, not obviously, but that's not what it was when he was murdered there. And so I looked at it and I saw the people coming in and out and I could see through the window the people working at the cash register and everyone just kind of going about their day and minding their business and doing their thing. And it was another thing that just closed the book internally. It was another monster that I had defeated because I was able to put a face to that location and know that it wasn't some big, horrible, awful place. It was a regular thing because it was something that could have happened to a variety of people. And unfortunately, it just had to be my father. So after this, I went about my day and I had found my way to the West Edmonton Mall. I had gone with the intent of finding these pink fluffy shoes because that is so my vibe. And I decided, let me wait and sit down and read a book first. And I'm reading this book and I look up and I realize that they had a location of my gym inside the mall. And this is a gym. It was one of those things that I pay for the membership. I go once or twice and then I take a two to three month break. And I had decided, you know, maybe I just need this physical outlet. I hadn't gone to the gym in so long. I didn't have any workout related clothes on me. So I found the stretchiest combo of clothing that I could find. I found a Dollarama and got a lock and a mini shower gel. And I went and I had like a three hour workout and I was sweating so aggressively by the end of it. And it was so cathartic because I find that I'm one of those individuals that needs to work through my emotions physically. And it doesn't even have to be like an emotional thing. When I was studying in college, I would put my textbook on a treadmill and walk and then quiz myself while doing pull-ups or squats or something like that. And I just need to physically process things in order to emotionally process things as well. So now is the part that I am even more excited about. And it's Jordan's thoughts and opinions on this time that we spent together. And there's a lot there. And so I had sent her quite a few questions. So here are a few of her answers and her thoughts and opinions on the time that we spent together and how that changed our relationship and our individual perspectives on this trip. What was it like meeting you in person? Um, I think like the anticipation builds up, like, you know, it's getting closer. Um, I know, like, throughout my childhood, I always told my friends, like, oh, I have, like, three sisters. Like, I've never met them, right? So I kind of always knew about you. I got a tattoo of you on my ribs when I was 17, um, of your name, not of your face. But um, it's just, like, that anticipation builds up, right? Like, you know you have a sister. I grew up, like, growing up, I had the, my two brothers, Michael and Daniel. So, like, I always wanted a sister. So, I think knowing that you have someone out there, but not really knowing what they're like, besides, like, talking on the phone a few times when it was, like, awkward teenage, I don't know what to say on the phone when our moms are listening. Um, so, it's, like, kind of like that anticipation, right? Um, so, meeting you in person, I remember like driving there and I'm like oh like today's the day um and then it was like 
um, pulling into the drive, and I'm like, what if I forget what she looks like? Like, I don't know who... It's kind of like you're at the airport waiting for someone, but you're not quite sure who you're waiting for. Um, I kind of knew who you were through pictures or, like, social media, but not necessarily, like, what you really looked like in person. Um, So, um, meeting you for the first time, it was kind of, like, refreshing, to say the least. Um, It was kind of like I knew you might... It was kind of like a weird connection, you know? Um, I knew you, like, my whole life. Um, It just felt like we just hit it off right away. Um, We kind of had the same personality type. Uh, It was like, I don't know even how to like say it. It was just like this instant connection like we were supposed to be, like supposed to be sisters as cliche as as that sounds. It was meant to be. Um, Kind of really felt like that. It was kind of weird. not in like a weird weird way but just really cool to see how we didn't even like have to be together all this time for that connection to be there like maybe it's something about family um I think being separated through our childhood um I mean I'm a true believer in like everything happens for a reason um, whether that's we are separated or whatever. I think, like, the effect of us being separated when we were, um, kids, I think that in some ways it was, like, a blessing because it's like I didn't take you for granted. I think when I think about my brothers that I grew up with, in the household sometimes you take them for granted and like you might have had a fantastic relationship I know like me and Michael and Daniel we had a good relationship growing up we always had a friend you know we always we always um we always uh played together we always did activities but I think sometimes you take them for granted when you're older you know like you have all these memories um, which I mean would have been nice to have with you, but at the same time, I think like as we're more mature and more um understand like the meaning and what family actually means, that being separated at childhood, like in our childhood, um, maybe strengthened our relationship and like disguise, you know what I mean? Um, I feel like. As much as, like, I'd like those relationships or those, not those relationships, but that memory, I feel like that relationship was still strong enough that, like, now I get to enjoy my maturity, like, level rising, like, that that ability to get to know you on, like, a deeper level. It's not just, like, her favorite color is this, like, you know, like, little things when you're a kid or like she beat me up or she did this you know like that was like me and my brother's relationship like those memories of us has kind of like made us close but not as close as I feel like 
not on like that deep depth level. I mean, we check in with each other. Um, we say, hey, how's it going? How's life? I mean, now that we're living separate provinces away, it's obviously more difficult to be close. Um, but I feel like maybe this separation during childhood that me and you shared, um, that now like we've passed the petty stuff, the petty sister fights, um, and we've got really into like the depth of like life advice and life lessons and um, getting to know each other in that like really in-depth personal level. Um, getting to know you, like like I said, when we first uh, picked you up at the bus stop, I just feel like there was like just this instant connection. I mean, at first it's like that awkward, like, oh, hey, like, how's it going? But like, as soon as we got back to the house, sat on the couch, uh, talked about like life and who we are and questions that like we've obviously been holding on to to one day when this meeting happened that we're going to ask, you know, um, like not even like what's your favorite color, but just in depth, like who you are, what's your hopes, what's your dreams. Um, I think like we touched base on a really deep level when we first met and it was like amazing to know that I have a sister out there that like I just knew about it in my childhood, but like right now I just get to experience her and like who she's become and guide her on that journey. And I mean, um, I think just having that like close friendship um in in regard to like our relationship um that friendship is so important um and I feel like it was just this instant connection so when we first met and came to my house it kind of felt like we had known each other like our whole lives we're just sitting here laughing joking um it was like really like one of the one of the neatest coolest Besides giving birth to my kids, uh, best best days best days of my life, I must say, um, it's just like really cool to see how how our relationship has grown. Um, I feel like getting to even experience getting to know you and like showing you around. Um, Again, like, and that not even like some positive notes, you know, getting to show you where dad was buried and just knowing that that's the closest you had been to him. Uh, that was actually a really special moment for me. Um, I grew up knowing him, right? I grew up seeing him on holidays and getting to go to his house and him picking me up and taking me to get my hair done or buy me shoes um and then it's kind of like that that not necessarily guilt but just um realizing that you didn't get that chance um really was like an eye opener for me and how our lives kind of were different growing up in regards to where we came from and so bringing you there and like Helping you see that, uh, see him and like share some memories I had. So you kind of had that understanding of who he was. I think that uh, 
hopefully made a difference in your life. Um, not only like hearing the, I know stories don't make up for kind of being actually there, but I think that hopefully like bringing you there, um, showing you like where his body is. Um, like I, I think I told you when we met, I, I feel he's everywhere. He's not, that's just kind of his, his place to rest. But, um, I just feel like maybe, uh, bringing you there and just, I think understanding that that was like a big part in your grieving process and having that opportunity to be a part of it and to support you through it was a really, really amazing journey. Um, and I know, like, telling stories about who he was and kind of sharing sharing a little bit about kind of what relationship me and him had um, hopefully kind of gave you that picture of this is who Dad was and uh, that he's, I, I'm sure, playing a big role somewhere in us meeting and having this instant connection because... Uh, I know that somewhere he's smiling and he's uh, happy that we got to meet and that we share this connection that has gone on since that trip, you know. Uh, Talk to you more than I talk to some of my best friends. Um, So it's just really cool to see how our relationship's growing, how I got to be a part of that, that grieving process for you and that I... I'm so truly blessed that you uh, wanted me to be a part of that because I am truly blessed to have have met you and to have been a part of that journey with you. And again, this is the last episode of this season. It is a five-part series. This is the fifth part. The second season is eight episodes. It's launching March 30th, 2020. The second season will be sharing other people's stories and ways that they learn to be vulnerable and how they use that to cultivate confidence. So I really hope that you tune into that because there will be some pretty incredible people. Some people were featured within this five-part series So I promise you're not going to want to miss it. Again, if you want to connect online, my handle is Peachy Patra. The podcast is Two Feet Apart, T-W-O. You can also contact me via email at twofeetapart at gmail.com. I hope you all have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to my part of the story. And I want you to know that you never have to apologize for your story, even if it makes other people uncomfortable or it makes other people feel shameful or anything like that. If you're comfortable sharing certain things and owning those parts of who you are, it takes the power away from that and puts all that power into you. So please carry that with you.